Welcome to the 34 Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure. Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. And so begins the classic tale of adventure. The second half of this great epic story of Troy and the Trojan War, of the men who fought it, the goddesses who surrounded them, the gods who were there. This is the Odyssey. And this, for me, is the book that begins all the great journeys that we sing of in contemporary world, in the contemporary life, and, and in music, and in literature, it is the source and the wellspring, and it is just a masterwork. And so we are going to begin a journey now, chapter by chapter, through the Odyssey. And just as we finished the Iliad just recently, we're going to be guided on this journey by a man who is spent his life um, looking into this work, studying it, and reveling in the joys of these uh, these great heroes and myths of ancient Greece and stories and truths, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Gary, I wanted to give this a proper opening because it deserves a proper opening. It is not a work, though it is playful, it is not frivolous. No, it's not at all. It's a work that should, that should be treated with respect and reverence, um, and hopefully we've gotten us off on the right foot in that way. So, Gary, let's introduce the listener to the Odyssey. Let's reacquaint them with Homer and his world, and let's let them know what they are, what's in store for them, the joys, quite frankly, over the next few weeks. Well, the Odyssey, uh, I've long maintained, is the greatest action-adventure story ever written. Uh, it was, a, uh, so to speak, a sequel to the Iliad. And whereas the Iliad uh, focused on the Trojan War and the uh, quarrel between Achilles uh, and Agamemnon, the uh, high king of Greece that led the Greeks against the Trojans, <clears throat> the uh, Odyssey is about King Odysseus uh, returned from Troy after he uh, allowed the Greeks to capture Troy by a trick of using the uh, you know the, the great Trojan horse, uh, and uh, and so it's about his journey where he encounters all these gods and monsters and uh, goddesses and so on, and uh, eventually gets home to his beloved wife uh, Penelope. Uh, it's just inspired countless works of arts, uh, you know, ever since it was first written, and uh, both ancient, uh, you know, during the Renaissance and so on, uh, up to the present day. And uh, I just found out this morning that uh, uh, James Joyce, who wrote a book totally inspired by Homer called Ulysses, which is the ancient Roman preferred name for uh, Odysseus, um, that uh, 18 major cities in Europe are celebrating James Joyce and his Homer-inspired work, uh, and Homer as well. And that includes Berlin and Paris and, uh, you know, 
just just the major and uh, of course Dublin and stuff like this, you know, Istanbul. Well, what a wonderful uh, tour that would be to kind of tour Europe while also celebrating the Odyssey. I mean, I I, I can see a good travel plan, a good travel show around that. Absolutely, all, all the great cities. So, I mean, just in terms well, the, of the Odyssey is. Um, uh, I just want to say a little more on the significance of it. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> the word Odyssey is, uh, everyone knows about it. Uh, people talk about uh, their own Odysseys, meaning their life journeys. And uh, and as I've long said, uh, everyone has their own Odyssey. They're born, they deal with uh, their own versions of gods and monsters and and. Uh, uh, women and so on throughout their lives, and then they they finally come home one way or the other, and so the Odyssey is just seminal. And uh, the Greek word there, there are a lot of lot of char- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say there's a lot of characters that we we know that are that are just household names that are that are images in our minds that we are just see so clearly from the same work: the Cyclops, the Sirens, Scylla and Charybdis. So all these. Great mythical creatures we know of from this work. It's it, to this day we know these characters. Yeah, well, the the very word sirens that we associate with uh, ambulances and police cars that comes from the sirens. These half beautiful girl, half bird monsters that uh, lure men to their islands with their mesmerizing singing, and then they devour them. They're kind of like vampires or something. Mm-hmm. But the uh, and and you know Honda has an Odyssey car. Um, you know, and the word is just pervasive throughout our culture, uh, and also places uh, named from it, like Ithaca, New York, uh, Homer, Alaska, you know. Um, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, it inspired, uh, you know, all these great movies and things like that. You know, it's, it's just fantastic. And, um, and like I said, it's inspired even uh, – you know, uh, very popular, uh, epic uh, TV shows like Game of Thrones. One of the major characters on Game of Thrones, her name is Queen Cersei. And, and how could we forget on this channel, this is the 34th Cersei Salon. We are named after Cersei. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Also, we did a we did a podcast on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes. That's an, is, another uh, great film, totally inspired by the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Even though it's set in the the thirties, and you know, with three, uh, you know, uh, good old boys from the south, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's really funny, but uh, it was it was a well done movie, absolutely. Really, and there was a one of the great classic rock bands, Cream, Eric Clapton and Cream. They had a song called "Tales of Brave Ulysses." So yes. it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, the the Odyssey um, and uh, the translation uh, uh, that I'm using here right now is by Robert Fagels, 1996. And he starts off his introduction with saying, Odyssey is a familiar English word, meaning according to Webster, you know, Webster's Dictionary, if people ever use it anymore, I don't know. Uh it's, quote, a series of adventurous journeys usually marked by many changes of fortune. Uh, and then he goes on to say, the Greek word Odysseia, meaning the Odyssey, 
the form which the English word is derived means simply the story of Odysseus. A Greek hero of the Trojan War took 10 years to find his way back from Troy. And then going to his home on the island of Ithaca off the western coast of mainland Greece. And uh, the Odyssey does present us, as he says, with adventurous journeys and changes of fortune. But it is also an epic tale of a hero's return to find a home and a situation more dangerous than what he faced on the plains of Troy or his wanderings over the charted seas. Mm. And uh, can you can you tell us about? Uh, let's give some context, but let's also just a very quick uh, little bit of info about Homer. Um, people often ask, "Was this a real person?" Etc. So, just give the listener a little overview of him. Uh, well, the ancients considered him to be. Uh, you know, the author to be a man called Homer, and they believed he came from uh, the eastern uh, Aegean Sea, uh, quite possibly from the island of Chios, um, and uh, but also maybe Smyrna. Um, and uh, he's also reputed to be blind. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, when did when did he live? Uh, the best estimate is uh, 700, 800 BC. Mm-hmm. Okay, just to give everybody context. And so, now he was, uh, 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 I think he was the first person to, either he wrote it down or he had somebody write it down, these two great epics, the Iliad and the Odyssey. And uh, so they're in, they were in written form. And uh, they just became like the Bibles of uh, ancient Greece. The Greeks uh, read them to find out about the gods and all that sort of thing. So they're they're really like the uh, the Bibles because they list the gods and goddesses and uh, their their powers and all that sort of thing. You know, it's how people learned about them, and also they were taught in the schools in the ancient world, right? That were they were central um, books that people studied that people yes. used. Okay, so that so so the so if you were a classical Greek or Roman, just for the listener, this would have been this work would have been your your centerpiece of of your learning. Yes, uh, the, how you learned to write, how you learned to read, all the things that you learned about um, your culture would have would have had this as its basis, as its foundation, perhaps. Yeah, I, ancient Greeks, of course, read the Greek. Ancient Romans scholars uh, knew how to read Greek. You know. Uh, now the the problem is. There are, uh, there's been scholars in the past who doubted that both epics are written by the same man. Uh, what they do is they cite that the Odyssey is very different from the Iliad. The Iliad's the story of uh, the Trojan War and only takes place uh, for a few weeks in the 10th year of the war. Whereas the Odyssey also takes 10 years, but the story goes throughout the 10 years. Uh, so it's much more you know, broadly based. Um, and uh, also to point to the fact that, you know, there's just differences and stuff like this, uh, you know, that uh, the storylines are different. Uh, the way the, uh, you know, the gods don't appear in the Odyssey as much as they did in uh, the Iliad, stuff like that. Uh, so the uh, scholars that believe that two different uh, authors uh, wrote both books. Uh, they're called the separatists. Mm -hmm. And those that believe, like I do, that it was one man of genius who was able to write uh, two different 
epic stories and, and write them differently to be uh, differentiate one from the other and make it interesting. Uh, those are called Unitarians. Well, are there any style differences? I mean, there's no reason why a writer wouldn't be able to write different types of works. Shakespeare is a perfect example. Yes. He has histories, he has dramas, he has comedies. I, I don't see why the fact that these are two different types of works should mean anything. So what is it, what else? They must Do they have any other basis? Is there stylistic differences, things that make it seem as if um, the person didn't have the same level of well, knowledge? Well, you know, it, whatever. Uh, I think they're kind of nitpicking from my point of view. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Fagel says the language of Homer is the creation of epic verse. So in other words, he created the whole epic verse that just lasted for an awful long time in the ancient world. And uh, Virgil, who wrote, uh, you know, the Aeneid, uh, wrote it in epic verse. Shout out for the Aeneid. Um, and then Homer wrote both epics in the same uh, verse uh, style. It's, it's called uh, epic meter, or, uh, hexameter verse. Dactylic hexameter, right? Yes, dactylic so, hexameter. And uh, so um, each, each line has six metrical units, but each metrical unit was divided into two subunits. And when you count them up, they're 12. And, uh, and as I said before, I believe Homer embedded in his epics a sacred symbolic number system of which 12 was the most primary number. And so... Uh, if you're, if the, just to tell the listener, if they're interested in learning more about that, we did a podcast, uh, Gary and I, where Gary talks about his theory of the sacred symbolic number system. Just look in our podcast list and give it a listen. And so... Um, uh, and then Homer still uses uh, epithets like, uh, you know, uh, he did in the uh, Iliad. Ep epithets are these uh, two-word, uh, usually two-word, not always, uh, you know, uh, phrases or descriptions of a person or something. Uh, you know, like in the Iliad, is swift-footed Achilles. And so in the Odyssey, uh, he calls Odysseus uh, great-hearted. Godlike, quick-minded, and he refers to Ithaca, his home island, as rocky, sea-girt, clear-skied, so on. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then he he describes ships as uh, swift, hollow, and well-benched, well-oared, well-worked, uh, so on. Black proud. So he still has this, uh, you know. Um, epithets in, in the uh, in the Odyssey as well. But the Odyssey to me is just a, a great story of uh, love. Odysseus uh, loves his beautiful wife and queen Penelope as she loves him. And uh, to me, it's the greatest uh, love story ever written. Well, they're apart for 20 years, right? Yes. But she never wavers. Now he does, and some, uh, you know, women I know have a problem with that because. Well, yeah, it is an it is an imbalance. I mean, I love the story, and I have to say that Homer overall uh, avoids. Uh, I shouldn't say avoids. It's very clear that Homer is a humanist, and he has a sense of of, of love and appreciation for all 
people. And unlike what we think of in the ancient world, which is which was true, which was that it was rife with misogyny, Homer doesn't evidence that. Uh, but again, the story is what it is. So Odysseus wavers, the goddesses tempt him or pull him off path. But he still, I, I think he still shows a great humanity for both men and women in the world. Uh, he he does. Penelope and, and Odysseus. And, you know, he has a liaisons with Circe, the witch goddess, to turn his men into pigs. He has, uh, you know, liaison with uh, Calypso. The story, uh, you don't see Homer until uh, quite a ways into the Odyssey. And the first time, I mean, not Homer, I mean Odysseus, excuse me. Um, And the first time you see him, he's sitting on a rock at the beach, and he's crying, he's weeping, because he wants to go home to his beautiful wife and queen. But Calypso wants to keep him as a love slave, and she's been keeping him as a love slave on her island for seven years. Seven being another sacred number, by the way. Uh, we'll tell the listener too who Calypso is. Uh, Calypso is a nymph goddess, and she has her uh, island, which they believe is probably modern day Malta. Mm-hmm. And uh, Odysseus. She's, she's supposed to be. She's one of the. For, just for the listener to understand, she's this great, beautiful goddess. She's yes. incredibly beautiful, yes, and seductive and alluring and all that stuff. And that's. Uh, Yes. How is she able to bring him in? And so she wants to keep him as a love slave. She actually offers him the ultimate gift that the gods can give mortals. She she offers him to become an immortal if she'll stay with him and live forever. And he refuses, you know, which, uh, you know, the ancient Greeks and uh, I find just very remarkable, refuses to become a, a godlike figure because he wants to go home to his beautiful wife and queen, Penelope. Mm-hmm. So he, fi- a, he finally uh, gets her to relent, and he... Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful sentiment, I just want yes. to say. It's a beautiful, very romantic sentiment. Okay. Yes. And uh, so she helps him build a raft, and then he sails away from her island, finally on a raft. But, uh, you know, he uh, the encounter with the Cyclops at the beginning is really... Uh, a major thing. And the Cyclops being these giants, you know, with one eyes. And uh, Odysseus and his men go into the Cyclops' cave, and the Cyclops uh, is out uh, herding his sheep. And uh, they see uh, cheeses and uh, so on, and so they they, want to steal them, you know. And then the Cyclops comes home and uh, covers the entrance to the cave with a giant rock that the the Greeks can't move, and uh, and then he, uh, you know, terrorizes Odysseus. And by the way, Odysseus uh, takes uh, you know twelve men with him into the cave. Again, that that sacred number twelve. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Cyclops proceeds to eat six of his men. And then Odysseus finds a way. When the cy- he gets the Cyclops drunk with the wine they have, mm-hmm. and um, and once he gets them drunk and the Cyclops falls asleep, there's a uh, a giant uh, wooden pole in the cave that the Cyclops is going to turn into a club, and so they take their swords and they sharpen it to a point. They uh, they burn the end of it in a fire, and then they stab it into the eye of the Cyclops to put his eye out. And this is very clever because Odysseus started to kill him, but if he kills the Cyclops, they'll be locked in the cave and they'll starve to death. 
Mm-hmm. So they need to have the Cyclops remove the uh, the giant rock that's blocking the doorway of the cave. And the Cyclops uh, wakes you up. Almost feel, you, you feel sorry for the Cyclops, actually. It's yeah, just you do. He loses his eye. He's on the eye. Uh-huh. Even, even though he's a cannibal, you know? Right, right, right. And so uh, the Cyclops uh, has to remove the uh, giant rock door because uh, he has to let his sheep out to feed. Uh, so Odysseus's men, apparently these are giant sheep because uh, he ties the men to the sheep, his remaining men of six, and uh, and they're tied under the bellies of these giant sheep uh, and because uh, a normal sheep couldn't carry a person like that. Um, and then Odysseus just holds on from underneath, and, he, and the Cyclops feels along the top of the sheep's backs to make sure they're not riding them out of the cave. And then... Uh, when Odysseus gets to the shore, which is nearby, he uh, yells at the Cyclops, you know, and uh, uh, and he yells, and uh, this is the way I rewrote it in my poem for older children, uh, Cyclops, if, uh, if you want to know who put out your eye, tell him Odysseus, king of Ithaca, did it, for it was I. Mm-hmm. And so the Cyclops in a rage, uh, hearing Odysseus using that as his guide, he picks up these giant stones and hurls them at Odysseus' ship. And the first one lands in front of the ship and causing the ship to uh, return back to shore. Uh, and that's how big these rocks are. Um, and then, uh, but the second one lands at the stern of the ship and, and makes it go out to sea. And so then they escape the island of the Cyclops. Well, let's uh, let's just uh, as we come towards the end, let's just give a setup for when we're going to start our first chapter. So let's talk just a little bit about what where are we at the beginning of the of the poem? What has happened? Where is Odysseus? You'd mentioned it already, but let's just set up what happens prior to the poem's beginning, so the listener has an idea of it, and then maybe give uh, just a very brief overview of like. How, you know, we know it's a 10-year journey, and so he's going to go through uh, a few twists and turns. So maybe just a, a little bit of a, a sprinkling of, of, of what to expect, what kind of adventures to expect. So where do, we, where, do we, where do we start? What was beforehand? And what's a little bit more of the adventures to expect? Well, it, it starts we'll, with we'll the uh as I said, uh, on the island of Calypso. Um, so what had happened just prior to that? Well, so the, the war had just the war had just ended. Is that where we we pick him up right after the yeah. Greeks are still? And, and what's interesting about the Odyssey, another aspect of it, is the Iliad is linear. It has a start, beginning, and end. Where the Odyssey is like a, a modern movie, where it has sequences and then flashbacks to earlier time periods and stuff like that. It's not linear. So this is when he's on Calypso's island. The bewitching nymph, lustrous goddess, and so on, as Homer described her. And so so is, is that a flashback when we start with the poem, or is that right after uh, the end of the war? No, it's right, not right after. He doesn't get to Eclipse's Island for a while. Right. He, he okay. goes to the, so. you know, he, he goes to other places first. Uh, Ismarus, uh, where he battles uh, against the people there because he's stealing her food and stuff. Uh, and, uh, and you know he has the encounter with the sirens. He has the encounter with uh, Circe, and then he finally winds up, uh, you know, with Calypso. Do we hear? Well, which story do we hear first? 
It's, it's about yeah. Calypso, and it's about um, the goddess Athena, who's a patron goddess of, uh, of Odysseus. Well, that's what I mean. So that's a flashback. We, so we start, yeah. like you're saying, it's interesting. We start out in flashback. So that's really interesting. So she, really she, she goes to Mount Olympus and she begs uh, Zeus, the king of the gods, to release Odysseus from, uh, you know, to force Calypso to release uh, Odysseus. And he agrees and uh, sends uh, Hermes, you know, the ancient Romans called him Mercury. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Calypso to demand that um, you know that he be uh, released. It's interesting too because you mentioned that in the Iliad, it's Iris who seems to be the big messenger, yeah. chief messenger. And here it's but now uh, we go to Hermes, and here it's Hermes, the messenger god. And uh, Zeus, when he replies to Athena, he says, "My child." Zeus, who marshals the thunderheads, replied, "What nonsense you let slip to your teeth." Now, how on earth could I forget Odysseus, great Odysseus, who excels all men in wisdom, excels in offerings too. He gives the immortal gods who rule the vaulting skies. No, it is earthshaker Poseidon who's uh, unappeased and so on, forever fuming against him for the Cyclops, whose giant eye he blinded. So anyhow, it's Athena that goes to his uh, rescue, so to speak, and she's always with him. So let's just, because uh, we have just a couple more. And, uh, and I just want to say, Athena is a goddess of wisdom sure. and defensive war. and uh, But she's uh, she loves Odysseus, and she's supporting him all the way, even at the end of the Odyssey that we'll get to. Right. So if, if you had to characterize the kind of journey he takes that the, for the listener that's, that's going to come aboard with us, come along with us and, and follow this story, uh, what would what would it be like? Would it be uh, a lot of action adventure? Would it be well? You know, when I creatures, you know, I, seduction. I a, what do you say? I wrote a, as I mentioned uh, during this presentation, uh, a thirty-five page poem on the Odyssey, um, and uh, and when I publish it, I haven't published it since then. Published it, and I've been illustrating it with uh, illustrations that are true to the uh, Bronze Age time period of the story. Um, I'm going to call it the Odyssey, the Fantastic Voyage of Odysseus. So we're in for a strange and wondrous journey with lots of strange characters and yes. beasts and mythical creatures, beautiful goddesses, uh, powerful goddesses and powerful gods. Um, so I really am looking forward to this. I cannot wait to begin the journey. So the next time we talk about the Odyssey for the listener, we will be starting chapter one and you will get a taste of the great work, this great work by Homer. So let's stop here. Let's get ready to pick it up for our next. Uh, well, I, Odyssey I, I can't wait because the Odyssey is just, it's so exciting. I think people will understand it and uh, they'll, they'll think, get it. I think so too. So I want to thank Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. And I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. This is the 34 Circe Salon. I want to mention that, didn't mention at the beginning, please give us a lovely rating on whatever platform you're using to listen to this or leave a wonderful comment. Hope you're enjoying the journey we've been taking through the classical world. We've got so many things to explore, and this one is going to be a lot of fun. So stick around for the Odyssey. Thank you all for listening, and God bless. Thank you.